Well, praise the Lord, everybody, and welcome back to The Way 1870. I'm Reverend Mark Burwell, and um, I'm picking up again from uh, The Road to Emmaus. I know we opened up uh, with the beginning there, kind of defining what Scripture is, because a lot of people don't understand that the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed, and the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. Um, we still have some brothers and sisters that um, don't understand that aspect. They think that almost like God did something totally new and that Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, um, Jude, you know, all these, Peter, you know, all these brothers thought what they were writing was scripture and, and nowhere Paul tells Timothy or any of the churches that he is writing to that what he is writing to them is scripture. Matthew is not telling anybody what he that he, what he is writing is scripture. Neither does Mark, neither does Luke, and neither does John. They all don't tell you that it's scripture. They all tell you, or, or they're all saying that they're quoting the scriptures. Because we know from Luke 24, he opened up their minds so they could understand everything written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning him. And Jesus called Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, he called those scriptures. So anytime you're in one of the gospels, when Matthew takes you on a road to Emmaus ride, John does the same thing, Mark does the same thing, and then Luke gets together with everybody and says, listen, y'all, let's just put into the book the order of the events and the way that they happen. He brought everybody together and he wrote what we know as the gospel of Luke. Uh, but, but none of these guys we're saying that they were replacing scripture. Um, I like when Paul talks about, I believe it's, if, I'm, if I'm right again, it's 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. He said, I preached unto you what I received myself. Um, and he received from the apostles, of course, uh, everything Jesus taught them about the road to Emmaus. You know, he opened up their minds so they could understand everything written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning himself. That's what they taught Paul. And Paul said, I gave the church what, what I what I received from the apostles. And he called himself apostle born out of due season because he saw Christ on the road um, of Damascus, the Damascus road, if you want to put it more correctly. So I don't I, when, I, when I talk to people, you have to understand that if we were in a court of law, there is no way on earth that you can prove that anything Paul wrote is considered scripture by the Bible itself. There's nothing that Matthew wrote, John wrote, Mark wrote, or anybody. You, they, they weren't telling you that it was scripture. Scripture was already written. They were telling you that, hey, look, we found the one who Moses and the prophets spoke of, and then they begin to write declaring who Jesus is. Do you understand that? You got to get this. These brothers are eyewitnesses. When we go back to uh, Luke chapter 24 and uh, Jesus tells the disciples, he said, these are the things that I spoke to you about while I was with you. And that's in Luke um, 24 and 46. And he said to them, this, thus it is written and thus is behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but wait here in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured 
with power or endued with power from on high. So remember, this is their assignment right here. This is their assignment. They're going to begin to try to open up your mind and my mind and show us who Jesus is in the scriptures, which are Genesis to Malachi. And I hope you understand that. Don't think that they're trying to do anything else. They're not trying to start a new Bible. They're not trying to be like Moses and, and okay, man, we're writing all this down. We're starting this thing off new. So we don't have tithing anymore. You know, adultery's in. You know, we the law is totally thrown out. That's not what they are doing. So we need to get, some folks are going to teach you some things and that is flat out wrong. Okay. They may love the Lord and all that, but sometimes man, we can go down some rabbit trails and it takes us a while before we can get our behind up out of those rabbit trails. So be very, very careful who you're listening to. And I try to tell believers all the time, man, you just don't, don't be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Because some of that doctrine, people don't know what they're talking about because they can't prove it in a court of law. You should be able to be able to break this book down to somebody and explain to them what is going on in the book. And that's what I'm trying to do with my brothers and sisters right now is I'm trying to let you know that he has opened up Matthew's mind. He has opened up Mark's mind and he has opened up John's mind. And all they're trying to do is show you who Jesus is in the scriptures. And then they're going to start to talk about some eyewitness accounts that happened that they saw with their own eyes. And hopefully when you begin to, when they begin to talk to you about what they saw, you can say, yo man, I read where Joseph um, was thrown into slavery by his brothers. Yeah. Jesus sold into slavery by Judas. Okay. You start going back through uh, the Psalms and everything and you start reading some Psalms and also you start reading what they witnessed. You're going to say, yo, man, it sounds like David wrote about Jesus dying on the cross. Yo, man, it really sounds like when Abraham and Isaac are going up the hill and Isaac's carrying the wood, man, it sure does look like Jesus going to the cross. So that's what these brothers are trying to do. They're, they're trying to be eyewitnesses for you, but also, too, they're trying to show you. And I'm going to walk you through Matthew a little bit, and we'll see how much time we have if we can get into John. And then John starts to also explain some things to you before he starts going off into eyewitness accounts of things that Jesus has done um, while he was there, while he was witnessing these things. And that's what he wants you and I to know. And even at the end of John, he said, Christ did so many things that all the books at John's time could not contain all the miracles and things that he saw Jesus do. He said, it must've just been like miracle, 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 healing, healing. I mean, deliverance, deliverance, powerful. So uh, let's look a little bit at, let's go to Matthew. And when Matthew opens up, of course, Understand that Matthew's mind has been opened, okay? And he wants to show you who Jesus is according to Scripture. So the first thing that he does is that Matthew opens up with kind of like what Chronicles opens up with. Chronicles opens up and it begins to, um, as right here, this father had a son, then this son had a son, and then this son had a son, and then this son had a son, and then this son had a son. So Matthew opens up. He doesn't go all the way back to Adam. Okay, because if you go to 1 Chronicles, it's going to take off with Adam. All right? And matter of fact, if you go over to the book of Luke, Luke is going to start from Jesus and go all the way to Adam. These brothers were keeping track of the scarlet thread all the way through Scripture. 
And those are things I, I listen, I can sit here and, and keep going through what we call the begats here, or father had a son and a son had a son, if you want to call it that way, and try to figure that all out. I'm just want to sit here with Matthew for a second, so please don't have me go down that trail. I'll be studying for like eight months just trying to make sure um, I know how these brothers kept track of this whole thing. But for some reason, somebody did. Listen, there was brothers living long before you and I. Long, listen, God's been here from the beginning. And brothers and sisters have taken God's word seriously. And they saw some things in the word of God. And listen, and they believed it by faith. Everybody's not going to walk up and pick this Bible up and believe it. I'm sorry. Like Jesus said, whom the father reveals the son to. And I believe that he revealed his son to Adam and Eve. I believe that he revealed his son to Enos, Seth, and then Seth had a son named Enos. I believe that he revealed his son to, to Methuselah. I believe that he revealed his son to Noah because Noah found the same grace that John is going to talk about later on in the gospel. And grace is what you and I have found today. Because while we were yet in sin, Christ already had died for us. And I'm telling you, some days we look like sinners too. So grace upon grace upon grace have you and I received the same grace that Noah received. Because Noah should have died like everybody else. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So when you look at the beginning of Matthew, he starts to talk off with the generation. He calls it the generation of Jesus Christ the son of David, the son of Abraham, okay? And he starts talking about Abraham beget Isaac and then Jacob and then Judas and his brethren and Judas beget Pharaoh. And we go all the way down until where he says, and Jacob beget Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations and from David until the carrying away unto Babylon 14 generations and from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ 14 generations okay so he is going he's finishing up what what Chronicles did okay what Chronicles didn't finish Matthew finishes it by claiming that Jesus is the end of that that's it it's a wrap with Jesus. They followed that scarlet thread. Jesus is the last one. Verse 18 talks about now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of what? Of the Holy Ghost, not of Joseph, of the Holy Ghost. And that coincides with what Isaiah was saying, that a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and, um, and we should call him what? Emmanuel, which is God with us. And later on, you're going to see that in just a little bit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, but was minded to put her away privily or privately. Um, but while he thought of these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not. Take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost then stepped in and touched this woman's womb, and now she has conceived Jesus. Now, if Joseph had jumped in there, then it would not be called Emmanuel, God with us. Not going to happen. But because that God just came in, the Holy Spirit just came in and touched this woman's womb, this is not no 
crazy incubus story like they try to preach or they try to teach out there in the satanic kingdom. That's not what it is. God came in. It was his will for the Holy Spirit to touch that woman's womb. And when the Holy Spirit touched that woman's womb, that's where you hear preachers talk about 100% man and 100% God. That's where, when you hear the, later on, you're going to hear people talk about who, when he asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? They say, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Okay. Because God came in and touched that woman's womb or placed himself in that woman's womb. So you got God, and we're going to see that from John placed himself in that woman's womb and surrounded himself with flesh and tissue and blood and all those things. But the very person, the very individual inside, just like you and I have a spirit inside of us, okay? This flesh and blood is just the house for you and I. It's not who you and I are. This thing is going to return to the dust, but you and I are going to go forward. The individual that is inside of that baby, that thing that's been created inside of Mary is God himself, okay? Verse 21 says, and she shall bring forth a son, okay? And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, all this was done, this is Matthew writing here, that it might be what? Fulfilled, which was spoken of by, uh, spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So um, if you're confused about who Jesus is, Matthew is not confused about who Jesus is. He's an eyewitness to the ministry of Jesus. And he has no problem stating this fact right here, which is Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Okay. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. That's exactly what has happened. That's exactly what has happened here. Amen. That's the scripture. Isaiah is considered a prophet. If what Isaiah writes or says does not come to pass, then Isaiah is a false prophet. We know Isaiah is a prophet because Matthew was saying, yo, I witnessed this right here. Joseph is saying, I did not have relations with Mary. What happened to Mary is the Holy Spirit touched her. God went inside of her. So when that baby was created, the very spirit, the very nature just like you and I, our spirit inside, this body in a lot of bodies just doing this thing while there's life, while our spirit is in here, this is our housing. The same spirit that went into Mary, God went into Mary, and we're going to see them testify to that. So this is the fulfillment of Isaiah saying that a virgin shall um, conceive and bring forth a son and we shall call him um, Emmanuel, which is God with us. Then moving forward. Okay, the next thing that um, Matthew wants to uh, write about is going to be in Matthew chapter 2. And in chapter 2, this is when um, the wise men from the east, and there wasn't three, we don't know how many men there was that came. It must have been a serious entourage because three people ain't really going to get nobody's attention. 
But when wise men came from the east, I believe that it was a serious caravan where people are like, yo, who are these brothers? It says here in chapter two, it says, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with them. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, um, And thou, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are not least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people. And that's Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And now Bethlehem and the land of Judah are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of these shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. And when Herod had heard, he called the wise men back and inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring word again that I may come and worship him also. Uh, so that was the second scripture used by him that comes out of Micah chapter five, verse two, um, when it comes to the Mashiach or the savior or the son of God or God. Do you understand that? Okay. Uh, let's see here. That's Micah chapter five, verse two. The next time, um, that Matthew is going to use scripture when it comes to Jesus is that we're going to be looking um, let's look at verse 13. And when they uh, were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child of his mother and flee into Egypt and be there until I bring thee word. Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child of his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of. Uh, the Lord by the prophet saying, out of Egypt have I called my son. Um, then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coast thereof from two years old and under, according to the time, uh, which he had diligently um, inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, and that's what, uh, in Ramah was there a voice, and that's Jeremiah chapter 31, uh, verse 15. Uh, it says, in Ramah was a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they are not. Um, all these, and, and listen, Matthew is trying to open up our minds to scripture. A lot of people have read Genesis to Malachi, but have you ever saw the testimony of Jesus in those scriptures? I know when I first started reading, I, I mean, I, I wasn't seeing Jesus and anything. These are just some powerful stories. But then once you start to take the New Testament and get the gist of what they're writing to you about, you start to go back and say, hey man, you know what? Hey, hey, that's Jesus. You know, we're going to look at when it talks to Eve and he says, the seed shall bruise the serpent's head 
and the serpent's head shall bruise his heel. What is that? You know, what's that got to do with uh, anything? I mean, what, what does that mean until you get to the cross? Once you get to the cross, listen, everything points to Jesus and the cross. Once you get to that cross right there. Now, remember Jesus. Remember, they were breaking the legs um, of the two thieves. So when they came to Jesus, they wanted to break his leg, but they realized that he was already dead. Listening to other preachers, you know, explain what happens when somebody's hanging on a cross. Even a doctor, if somebody was hanging on a cross and you're suffocating with your arms stretched out wide like that and, and, and everything, you're literally suffocating. So you're with your feet, you're pushing up, even though they've got your feet nailed to a cross. You are literally pushing up to get a breath. Can you imagine what the heel of Jesus and the two thieves look like? When they came to Jesus, they were supposed to break his legs. But they found him to be already dead. Because remember, written in the Psalms, it says that he shall have nothing broken. No broken bones at all. So Jesus died before they even came over and could break his legs. Now the other two thieves got their legs broke. That is some, I can't even begin to think about what happened when it came to the cross and how these brothers died on a cross. Lord have mercy. Just start to think about that. But when you're pushing up by your heel, you're trying to push up. I don't know how much they weighed. I'm, a, I'm 280. Can you imagine hanging on a cross and, and I'm trying to take a breath and my heel is digging into that wood and it says heel. It doesn't say heels. It says heel, H-E-E-L, heel, the heel of the foot. I'm pushing up and that heel is being bruised, but it's bruised. His death will bruise the head of the enemy it'll be a blow it'll be the final blow remember in the book of exodus it talks about the final plague the final thing that god did was kill the firstborn the final thing to the ministry of jesus is going to be the death on the cross that's it that's the final blow to the enemy's head is his death. If the enemy was smart enough, he would have never killed him. But because the enemy was not smart enough, because he filled the hearts of men, they killed the one who Moses and the prophets spoke of. So all Matthew is trying to do is open up our minds so we can understand that they were writing about Jesus the whole time. They were writing about Jesus the whole entire time. So when you and I are reading this thing called the New Testament, it is revealing to us what the Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, the writers of the Psalms have talked about for so long. Please don't think that, that we're doing anything else, okay? So let's look here. Um, let's look here. What's the next one we got to do here? So when we go over to chapter 3, it says in those days, uh, let me, sorry, let me, sorry, let me make sure that I um, uh, pick up. We need to look at, uh, what is that? Matthew chapter two. 
and we're looking at verse uh, 23. It says here, after he had called Jesus, after he told Joseph to leave Egypt. Now, remember, Jesus is a young child here. Remember, they were killing kids from, man, three years old and down, two years old and down. That's what they were killing them. Rama, um, you know, Rachel weeping for her children could not be comforted. So when Herod died, Jesus is still young. Don't think Jesus was going to school in Egypt. And now you got brothers out here trying to say, oh, Jesus was in Egypt, going to school in Egypt and learning Egyptian culture. Negative. Okay. You got the God of Israel going into Egypt. And I'm pretty sure that Egypt and God still has beef because God took Egypt down with Moses and the crew. You understand that? So don't think that Jesus is going in to learn. All right. That ain't how things work. Okay. So you're going to hear a lot of different things. And if you follow that rabbit trail, you can get lost. All right. Don't get lost. He was not but a little cat. All right. So anyway, it talks about here, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by the prophet. He shall be called a what? A Nazarene. Um, so let's see here. Bop, 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 bop. Making sure we're writing all this stuff down. But anytime, all you got to do is Google that scripture, and that scripture would take you back um, to the prophet that spoke it, Okay. Um, for this was uh, chapter 3 it says in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea okay um, Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3 is the scripture reference that Matthew was going to use about John the Baptist uh, so this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying that the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare ye the way of the Lord make his path straight and the same John uh, had raiment of camel's hair and a leather girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Um, John the Baptist. He starts to talk about John the Baptist. He starts to use the scripture, which is Jeremiah uh, chapter 31, verse 15. This is what the, uh, I'm sorry about that, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, I'm sorry, y'all. The voice of him that cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So John the Baptist's job was to prepare everybody's heart for the Mashiach. That's what it was. There was an anointing on John ever since he was a child. And his the anointing that was on him, the mission that was on for John was to go before the Lord, tell everybody to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. John had no problem telling anybody the good news. And also he had no problem telling you about your lifestyle. <laughs> he had no problem doing that. I'm curious as what he would say to us right now if he rolled up. Because I know when he rolled up to the king, he said it's not lawful for you to be laid up with your brother's wife. Yeah, that's adultery. That's some trifling stuff. You can't be um, laying up next to people, your brother's wife. What kind of game is that? And I mean, rebuked him right there in the castle. Was it him rebuking him? I'm telling you, when you are filled with the spirit of God, it's not like you're trying to go out here and try to make yourself all of that. Okay. But you're going to tell people what is right and what is wrong. According to scripture, you're not out here just getting on folks nerves or trying to be holier than thou. No, that's not it. You know, like there was a, um, a friend of mine that I was, um, listening to. And, uh, <laughs> you know, what's so crazy is that, 
you know, sometimes you can have like a cell phone or something. And I'm just going to go ahead and say, people just might as well get mad at me. But I was listening to them. And this person has a cell phone and they were wanting to get another phone. So they wanted to declare their phone stolen or, or whatever it is so that they could use the insurance to get a better phone, to get the latest one that was coming out. And I'm looking at them. I'm like, man, what kind of game is that? And they had no problem with it at all. Like it wasn't even, it was, it was like no thought to them to say, Hey, I'm just going to say this one was stolen. Use the insurance money to get the latest phone that's out. And I'm looking at them because in my heart, that's stealing. <laughs> that is stealing, flat out stealing. Ain't nothing you're going to say about it. That is stealing. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, and we'll talk about this later on, but when the Spirit of God comes into your life, the commandments of God come into your life, that is true uh, Feast of Weeks or what the Gentiles call Pentecost. And we're going to talk about that some other time. But right now, I just wanted to say that because John the Baptist full of the spirit of God. Remember from his, from, from maybe six months after his mother, the babe leaped in the womb, but he is, the spirit of God is on John at a very, very early age. And it's the thing that God wanted to do in the feast of weeks in the book of Exodus chapter 18 is the same thing that he wants to do with you and I. You know, one of the things I love about Luke chapter 24 is that uh, it says repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Listen to this. Thus it is written and thus it is behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sins. You know what remission is? All you got to do is think about cancer. When somebody says that they got cancer and all of a sudden they're going to the doctor, you know where I'm going with this. The family is praying that it goes into remission, which means that it's in there, but it ain't active. The cancer is there, but it ain't spreading nowhere. It's there, but it's not moving and grooving like it should. It's inside of us, but it's not ruling us like it used to. Okay? So that repentance, repent from your sin, and that remission of sins, remission of sins, should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Verse 48, and you are witnesses of these things. Listen, if we get rid of Moses, now, would we even know what sin is? Because Moses laid out sin. When the Spirit of God came, the Spirit of God brought the commandments. And then after that, the judgments, his precepts, his statutes, his judgments. He started to lay it all out. He started to put it on paper, what is right and what is wrong. So when John the Baptist is coming, he's preaching that thing. Repent. Get your life right. 
so that your sins will go into remission. That that cancer, that thing that you have, will go into remission. And you ain't running around here stressing over cancer no more. It's over. That's what he's saying. So the law of Moses, or they say the, the first five books, they ain't going nowhere. They tell us about who Jesus is. They tell us about his life, his death, and his resurrection. Do you understand that? You got to get these things. So don't let people just come along and say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna do away with this and we're gonna do away with that." Okay. So going back over here to Matthew, and I hope I'm not jumping around too much on you, um, with that you don't get everything. But uh, let me see here. The next thing he only does a couple of chapters. Okay, chapter three. We know he talks about John, and then we start to get to chapter four. It says here in verse 12, Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them was set in the region um, and shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So that, um, and John, uh, Matthew chapter four, beginning at verse 14 there, and I read down to 17. Um, you know, that's another place where Matthew begins to quote uh, the prophets and let us know he's quoting scripture about Jesus. Now, we don't see John talk about scripture again until we get to Matthew chapter 26 because he lays it out for us. He does a couple of them, he lays it out, and then he becomes that eyewitness. He starts to talk to us. Um, I'm telling you, after that, after that little brief little history thing there he does that then he starts to go into an eyewitness account he starts to talk about what he heard he starts to talk about what he's seen and he goes all the way until Matthew chapter 26 verse 56 and uh, even if we started at 55 this is where he begins to give us another understanding so he's a witness not only is he teaching us but he's also a witness to everything that has transpired so 55 matthew 26 verse 55 says in that same hour said jesus to the multitudes are you come out as against a thief with swords and stabs for to take me i sat daily with you in the uh, teaching in the temple and you laid no hold on me but all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. I, I You know, every time Jesus says scriptures, y'all, he's talking about Moses the Malachi. Genesis to Malachi. 
That's what he's talking about. He's not saying this and then and then oh uh you know Matthew is going to write this some years from now. So I'm just quoting Matthew. That's not it. I'm quoting John. It's not it. God here. This is God. <laughs> I'm telling you, God placed Himself in a woman, took on a body. But the very person inside that body is God Himself. It's the reason why they killed him. They said he blasphemes. There is no way that God came and laid up with some woman and now this is God's son. They're saying he's blaspheming. He's lying. He deserves death. Okay? And when you begin to read from Matthew on, that's what's going to happen. Uh, when you get over to what? Now we're in Matthew 26. And we're looking at verse, uh, just continue to keep reading. You're going to see why they killed him. Um, it says here, And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away uh, to Siophis, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off. And of course, that's where Peter um, denies him and everything like that. Uh, let's see here. In verse 61 it says, And said this fellow, uh, and said this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answer you nothing? What is it which these witness against these? But Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that you tell us whether you be Christ, the Son of God. He says, I'm going to adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you be Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said unto him, You have said, nevertheless, I said unto you, hereafter you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now you have heard his blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. That's the reason why they killed him. They said he blasphemed. There is no way that he is the son of God that will make him God, even though even though the scriptures that we just read, but behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall uh, call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. I know I'm jacking up some of them scriptures, but even though they're reading all this even though they've read this, even though these are Hebrews, they know this They don't get it. Even though they've been having these scriptures the whole time. Ever since Moses, they've been having these scriptures. These are written down. They don't know who Jesus is. They have no clue who he is. And because he said that he's the son of God, they know exactly what he is saying. Now to you and I, we're like, man, what's the big deal about that? No, he means that he is the son of God. Like the father is literally his father. And they understand what he's saying because they're like, wait a minute. Then you would be God. They're not like you and I saying, yeah, I'm a son of God. And, and, and your wife saying, yeah, I'm, I'm a woman of God. No, not like that. He is saying that I literally am the son of God. The blind man said, I know who you are, thou son of David. He's calling him the prophecy. They're like, bro, this boy... But when he starts saying son of God, they're like, nah, you ain't no God. You ain't no God. You ain't no God. 
And he's like, no. Hereafter you shall see the Son of Man, which is a play of words. Remember the back in the days, the um, Elijah would be called a man of God. So Christ turns around and calls himself the Son of Man because of the covenant between God and man. Man, last name God, Son of God is going to change his last Son of Man. This is the play of words. It's the covenant between the two. So they, they know exactly what he's saying. Hereafter you shall see the Son of Man, God's Son, sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. He says, listen, if he's real, then everybody will see this, dead or alive. Everybody will see this. Do you understand that? And that's the reason why they killed him because of that. Everything else, you can go look into the Psalms and, and if you haven't, if you ever get a chance to look into, I think it's Psalms 22, there's a couple of Psalms in there where it just, it, it, it gives you a better detail as what is happening at the cross than even the Gospels do. Incredible. But I just wanted to give that to you from Matthew's point of view. And um, when we go over to the book of John, John doesn't lay it out like the others. You know that? John's not going to lay it out like these like these other brothers are going to lay it out. John goes for the jugular. He don't care who reads it. John is going to declare to you who Jesus is, that he is God. He is God. He is God. That's his declaration from the door. When Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say, who do men say that I am? They say, well, you know, you know, maybe you, you're a good prophet or whatever. Like he says, who do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. To make that statement, you were deserving of death. Because that's what Jesus died for. He died because that's what he said that he is. That's, that's what he said that he is. That's period, end of story. Nothing else. He never did anything wrong. It was the statement that came out of his mouth that killed him. All right? That's the only thing I can tell y'all. And you know what? I wonder if I have enough time to to do any more. Should I break here and then we'll jump back on to John next time? I'm going to probably come right back and do John. Um, probably, you know, right after this, I'm going to jump in here. But just wanted to cover a little bit of Mark and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover some of John. And then I might even come back and uh, and then we'll do a bit of Luke. Because Ma- uh, Mark is going to be kind of the same as Matthew. He's going to be skimming through some things. Uh, John, I like the way John's opening statement is before he gets into eyewitness accounts. Okay, and then they all come back. And when you read the the death of Jesus, all you got to do is go through the Psalms. It's, it, it breaks it down. Like I said, you can go back to uh, when Abraham takes Isaac and Isaac's carrying the wood and, and Abraham, they're going up the hill. You know, the Lord is already revealing to us what's about to happen. But... That's where we get Jehovah Jireh from, what God will provide. God provided a ram in the bush. He provided that ram so that uh, Abraham would not have to kill his only begotten son, his his son um, Isaac, all right? So that's all I have for you right now. And uh, I'm going to come back with the book of John, and then I'm going to keep on rolling with this thing because, you know, for some of you, you already know this, you already believe this. And then for some of you that may not see it this way, I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you right now to take a look at the Word of God again 
and define what scripture is. And these brothers are not saying what they are writing is scripture. They're trying to teach you and I what Jesus taught them in Luke chapter 24. God bless you.